Literally, one invitation given to someone to explore Jesus can change their lives forever. This is the simplest and easiest way for all of us to engage in winning souls and making disciples. We share some practical thoughts on how to extend an invitation and pray for people to encounter Jesus. All right. We're going to get ready to make our declaration uh, this morning and then we will get into God's word. Uh, most of us are familiar with Psalm 19 verse 14. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth, may the words I say, let the words I speak, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart, the things that I'm thinking within me, that I think that I'm dwelling within, let the meditations of my heart. Both our words and our meditation, the thoughts, need to be acceptable in God's eyes. Right? So that doesn't come spontaneously. If left to ourselves, we have all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of words coming out of our mouths and going on inside of us. So I, I can't say that this happens spontaneously. So obviously, we need to train ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves to make sure that the words we speak are acceptable in God's eyes. And what we think, what we ponder on, what we muse and meditate on, that make sure that they are acceptable in God's eyes. Now... Obviously, the next question is, what kind of things would be acceptable in God's eyes? And what kind of words? The safest thing to tell us is words that are aligned to his own word. Right? So words that are aligned to his own word would definitely be acceptable in his sight. So that's why when we speak, let's speak in harmony with his word, his written word. Say what God says. Declare the things God has declared. And when we think, think in line with his word. The truth of his word. So we need to train ourselves so that our words and our thinking are in line with the word of God. Amen? So that's why we make our declaration Sunday after Sunday where we do a little practice in church so you can continue that through the course of the week. Let's stand up to our feet as we make our declaration this morning. We're going to declare what God has said about us. So you brought your Bible, hold it high up in the air. Let's say this out loud, bold and strong together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by his word. Christ is my master. And to him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. Just shake hands with the person next to you. Say hello to them. Smile at them. Tell them you're happy to see them this morning. And uh, then you can be seated. Over the last six weeks we've been 
talking about revival and visitations and the moves of God and and uh, I can see uh, uh, you know that there's been this stirring in our hearts to uh, press in pursue God for revival and we want to continue in that we want to continue praying and seeking God and saying God we want revival and uh, continue in prayer Pressing into prayer, I encourage you to gather together in small groups, get people together in your homes or other places. Just begin to pray and say, God, we want more of you in our lives. You know, I remember somebody asked this question, how could you pray for more of the Holy Spirit? Don't you have the Holy Spirit in you? Well, throughout scripture, don't we find people saying, God, we want more of you? You know, the, the psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. you are my, I want more of you. I want more of God. So when you say I want more of God, do you say I want more of God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? No, you don't differentiate. When you say you want more of God, it means you want more of Him, all of Him. So there's absolutely nothing wrong in saying I want more of the Holy Spirit. God is infinite. He's limitless. And, and, and we just want to experience more of Him in our lives. So we continue praying, saying, God, we want more of you. Fill me more. Work in me more. Work in the church more. We press in for more of God in our lives uh, individually and as a church. Now, we're going to kind of build on that whole theme of revival and start talking this uh, for the next four Sundays, excluding Easter, on winning souls and making disciples. Now... This is definitely not a new topic, right? I think right from your youth church days, you've been hearing about winning souls, of sharing Jesus, of test being a witness and so on. It's definitely not a new topic. But what we're going to do in this series here as we talk about winning souls, making disciples, is just to bring to our attention four simple strategies on how all of us, each one of us can win souls and to give to us a simple model, a simple practical model on how we can all make disciples, how we can disciple people. Now, we all are familiar with what Jesus commanded us in Mark 16 verse 15 when he said, go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. So go into the whole world. Now when he says the whole world, it does, of course it means geographically you go to you know, China and uh, Bhutan and Nepal and go, go, go the whole world geographically. But it's not restricted just to geographical location. It also means go into every sphere of society. Go into government. Go into education. Go into healthcare. Go into the industries. Go into the cities. Go into the small towns. Go into the villages. Go everywhere. Go into the whole world and shared the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. He rose up again. He's alive today. And if anybody believes in him, they'll receive their forgiveness of sins and they will be saved. So he says, go to the whole world. Go to the whole world. Preach the gospel. Share the gospel with every person. Right? So put your right hand up and say this with me. I've been commissioned to go everywhere Share the gospel to every person I meet. Right? So we've all been commissioned. Go wherever you can. Share the gospel to whoever you can. To the whole world. Right? So don't leave that to only the pastors or the evangelists or you know, the full-time people. And of course our goal is not just to preach the gospel, share the gospel. We're supposed to make disciples. Matthew 28 verse 19. He says, go therefore and make 
disciples. So it's not just, okay, I share the gospel, you pray the prayers, see you, bye, forget you. No, it is to make disciples. I got to make them, we got to nurture them into becoming disciples. So we're going to talk about this for the next several Sundays. How to win souls and make disciples. Four simple strategies we're going to place in our hands so we can all be involved in winning souls and making disciples. Um, Our text for today is John chapter 1. We're going to read through this entire passage. John chapter 1 verses 35 to 51. So if you brought your Bible, uh, please follow along with me in your Bible. Or you can look it up on the screen. You can watch the screen. John chapter 1 verses 35 to verse 51. We're going to use this passage uh, to draw a simple strategy on how to win souls for Jesus Christ. I'm reading from verse 35. Again. The next day, John, that is John the Baptist, stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to him, What do you seek? They said, Rabbi, which is to say, which is translated teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Kephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. Now in this passage, in our text this morning, we see three cases of people being introduced to Jesus. And the whole introduction, the whole introductory process is so simple. One is John the Baptist. He had influence over his disciples. He sees Jesus and he points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. He's pointing to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God. And the people whom he has influence over, two of his disciples, they decide to follow. They decide to go after Jesus. Now, they approach Jesus. Jesus welcomes them. 
and they ask him, you know, where you stay? He says, come, come and see where I stay. And something happens, the details are not given to us, but as they stay with Jesus, their hearts are convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. Because one of them, Andrew, he is so convinced now, he says, man, I gotta go and tell my brother what I have found. Now, we can assume that in those days, people... Uh, were searching, had this common question, who is the Messiah? Where is the Messiah going to come from? What will he look like? Who is he? So this, all everyone had this question in their minds. So Andrew says, I'm going to go find my brother and tell him, hey, we have found the Messiah. That's it. We all have a question. Peter or Simon, I think I found the answer. We have found the Messiah. And he brings him to Jesus. He brings him to Jesus. Come, come with me. Just come with me. Come. We found the Messiah. Come. So Simon comes. Now, as Simon approaches Jesus, the Lord encounters him. The Lord says, You are Simon, meaning a reed that is very shaky, easily blown by the wind. That's who you are. That's your nature. But, you are going to be Kephas, meaning a stone. Something is going to change in your life. You're going to become solid, unshakable. So the Lord encounters Simon, declares his present, reveals his future. And Simon becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. All Andrew did was, hey, we all have, we all have a question. I, I think I found the answer. We found the Messiah. Come and see. Come, I'll take you with me. The third case is of Philip. The Lord Jesus encounters Philip. And Philip becomes a follower of Jesus. But then Philip says, I've got to go find my friend, Nathaniel. Hey, I've got a friend back home in Bethsaida, my hometown. I've got to go find him. So Philip goes looking for his friend, Nathaniel. And he says, Nathaniel, here I found the answer to this question that we are all having. I have found the person who Moses wrote about, the Messiah. I found him. And uh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel is kind of skeptical. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Man, you found the wrong person. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth, you know. Now, Philip doesn't try to debate. He doesn't try to argue with Nathaniel and say, no, 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 Nazareth is the place, you know. I mean, they may have had a conversation, you know, Nathaniel may have told Philip, you know, if you told me Jerusalem, maybe I'd have believed. But you're saying this Jesus that whom you think is the Messiah is coming out of this unknown town called Nazareth. I can't believe it. Now, how does Philip handle the situation? He just says, Nathaniel, come and see. See, he doesn't argue. He isn't trying to prove that Nazareth is the place. No, he just says, come and just come and see. See for yourself. Come and see. So Nathaniel says, you know, know, it's all not there. I'm just paraphrasing this stuff. But Nathaniel says, okay, I don't lose anything. He's giving me a free trip to go meet this person. So I'll go. So Nathaniel comes. As he's approaching Jesus, he has an encounter. Jesus says, Look, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. Meaning, Nathaniel, you are a man of integrity. Nathaniel says, well, how, do we, how do you know me? We've never met each other. Then Jesus gives him one more shocker. He says, you know, when you were under the fig tree, when Philip came and called you, I saw you. 
So he says, oh, this is, this is getting too much. You definitely, doesn't matter if you come from Nazareth, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So he becomes a follower. So in all three cases, the introduction is very simple. John just points to Jesus and says, you know, this is what I know about him. He is the Lamb of God. That's what I know. I know he's the Lamb of God. John may not have known everything about Jesus, but he knows one thing, what's been revealed to him. This is the Lamb of God. That was enough for his two disciples to go and check it out. They said, where Jesus, we want to see where you are. And, and, and they engage with Jesus and they become followers of Christ. Same thing with Andrew. He says, Peter, come. I'll let, just want to introduce you to this person. Come. He brings him to Jesus. His own brother, his own family member. He just brings him to Jesus. And then Jesus takes care of the rest of the stuff. He gives him an encounter. Same thing with Philip and Nathaniel. Philip says, I need to go find my friend. Come and see. And Jesus gives him an encounter. So, strategy number one on winning souls is very, very simple. Invite and pray. Very simple. Invite. Invite people to explore Jesus Christ. Invite people to encounter Jesus. Just invite them and you pray. Just set them up and watch what happens. Right? Very simple that all of us can do. Just say what you know about Jesus, like John the Baptist said. You know, he had people under his influence, his disciples, and he just told them, This is the Lamb of God. Just say what you know about Jesus. Or people in your family, your friend, your brother, your sister, your, your relatives. Just tell them, hey, I found the Messiah. This is what's happened. I found someone whom we are all looking for. Or people in your circle of friends. What is what Philip did? Hey, we found the Messiah. We found an answer to a question we all have. He just invited them. And, and then Jesus took care of the rest. So realize the power of a single invitation. When Andrew invited Simon to come and meet Jesus, Andrew didn't know everything. But when Simon encountered Jesus, this man became one of the greatest apostles of the faith. He's the man who preached the opening service, opening sermon for the church, Peter. When, when Philip invited Nathaniel, he didn't know what he was setting him up for. But it was such a powerful encounter that Nathaniel had with Jesus. Realize the power of a single invitation. You inviting people to explore Jesus. Now that invitation can happen in so many ways, different ways. We'll talk about it. But many of us sitting here, the reason we became a follower of Christ is because of one invitation somebody gave to us a long time ago. So does it come? And that changed the rest of our lives. In my own life, I remember I was in 8th grade, studying right here in Bishop Cotton's, not too far away. And uh, during lunch break, the normal thing was go play soccer or cricket. That's what we guys did. So, you know, around 12, 10, have your lunch, 12, 15 or something, and the bell rings. Then eat as, eat as quickly as possible, get to the field, play soccer. 
So that particular afternoon, it was October, I think it was 1981 or something like that. I forget the exact year, but that, that afternoon, I was on my way to the field and I was walking along with my friend. Uh, Anand Natrajan. We were both on the school football team, so we played together, great friends. Came close to the field and suddenly Anand said, I'm going to the chapel. I was like, Anand, why is Anand going to the chapel? He's not a Christian. He's not from a Christian family. Uh, I know him. And he says, I'm going to the chapel. I said, Anand, why are you not coming to play football? He said, no, I'm going to chapel. Then he said, do you want to come? I'm like a lamb to the slaughter. Sure, <laughs> I want to find out what's happening, you know. Sure, I'll come. Right? So, all he said was, You want to come? I said, Okay. I want to know what's going on. I mean, Anand's going to the chapel, I'll go with him. So, I went to the chapel, uh, in the school chapel, and there I saw all these people, you know, of my friends, sitting, different ones sitting at different uh, places in the, in the chapel and praying. And I recognized most, many of these guys, we all played football together. It's like, oh, this is where these guys are, you know, in the afternoon. <laughs> so, okay, I went and sat down on one of those benches and, you know, just spent my time. I didn't know what I did that first afternoon. Uh, but just before the bell rang, everybody lined up and then our biology teacher came. I was like, whoa, what's he doing here? <laughs> this is Mr. Andrew Taylor. He taught us biology and taught English and all that. So, okay, he came, then he prayed and uh, dismissed. And then uh, Arnold took me to uh, Andrew and he said, you know, uh, he's here for the first time. Then Andrew said, sure, can you come back tomorrow? I'll talk to you. Now, I can't say no. It's my biology, biology teacher. says, sure, I'll come back. <laughs> you know? So next afternoon, bell rang quickly. I had my lunch, showed up in chapel. So he took me to the side. He spoke to me and I said yes to everything. And <laughs> he led me in a prayer and he prayed for me. And, you know, there wasn't any earth shake, earthquake or angels or gold dust or none of that stuff. Okay, fine. But something changed inside me. I can't explain it. Something changed. I went back the next afternoon. I kept going back. So now, football, cricket, didn't matter. Just back in the chapel every afternoon praying. And then I started reading my Bible. And my whole life changed. Everything changed. How did it happen? My classmate said, I'm going to chapel. You want to come with me? So simple. That's all. My life changed. The power of a simple invitation. Never underestimate the power of a single invitation. So simple, but my whole life changed. You never know how many people's lives and destinies you can alter or affect by a simple, single invitation. To come and encounter, explore Jesus Christ. Now, we are inviting people to explore Jesus. Right? Not necessarily to church. We might even come explore Jesus. So that can happen in so many ways. You know, you could give them a book to read, a music to listen to. And so many ways that you're just encouraging them to explore Jesus Christ. Think of the various situations that people go through that, that, that provides an opportunity for you, you to invite them to explore Jesus. Maybe they're facing a challenge in life. The difficulties. So hey, now just to give them something that can encourage them, which will eventually encourage them to explore Jesus. Or they're asking questions about life, meaning, purpose. Or they're interested in learning something. Or good things are happening, and then you just point them, hey, God's so good to you. Or uh, they're open to receive prayer for some need in their life. Maybe they're going, they just want somebody to pray for them. You just step out and say, you know, can I just pray for you in the name of Jesus? Just pray for you. 
and it just opens up something. Or think of various events and places you can invite people to explore Jesus. Of course, a simple way is to invite them to church. We have various things happening. Our regular services, just invite them to a service. Or on Big Sunday. Big Sunday is especially geared for new people. So we do that about three times a year. Three uh, Big Sundays a year. And uh, our next one is coming up on April 10th. So you just plan. It's okay. You know, We will give you invites. We will send it by email and so on. Just different ways and that you can just share that and say, Hey, we're having a special Sunday in church. Would you like to come? Just a simple invitation. Or we have special days like Good Friday, Easter, Christmas, New Year. Or there are special sermon series happening in church. Or different things. Just invite them to church. Or you can invite them to your small group, your life group. Just meeting together at home. Or um, or you have a special movie in your home. Say, hey, come and watch this movie with me. You're exposing them to Jesus. Or, you know, weddings, birthdays, funerals. All of these are moments where the gospel can be shared. Now we've made it a practice for several years now in almost every wedding, I'm not saying every, but in almost every wedding and almost every funeral we share the gospel. And there's been weddings where it's been like we've had many people respond to Jesus. I think earlier this, I don't know which, when Tarun and uh, Lena got married, when was it? Last year? Yeah. At their wedding, I think at least six people responded and gave their life to Christ. It's a wedding service. Because that's when you have so many people, friends and families, uh, others, who don't, may not normally go to church. They come to church. So it's a great opportunity. Just, just tie it in with the whole wedding ceremony. They say, I love you. And you, we ask them, do you love the Lord? You know, whatever. <laughs> Get them saved, you know. And it's a great opportunity to share the gospel. So... Uh, it's, it's a whole setup. You know? <laughs> Intentionally, we plan the wedding in such a way that, hey, we're going to present the gospel for people to you know, get saved. Because you, know, you, you have colleagues from your workplace coming in. They may not come to church, but they come to your wedding. Share the gospel. Um, and then at funerals. Sometimes in some funerals, we've had as many as 10 or 15 people commit their lives to Christ at the cemetery. And it's seen happen so many times. Because at that moment, you're coming face to face with the reality that life is transient. That someday we're all going to pass this way. We're all going to cross this. And there is, I mean, it's just such a poignant moment to talk about eternity. And we've seen so many people get saved in the cemetery. The place where everybody dies, they're born again. (laughs) But that's, that's just... An opportunity, right? And uh, so use every, every opportunity you can. Um, invite people to church events. We have lots of church events that, uh, that you can invite people to. Whether it's a marriage or a parenting or a leadership or a workplace seminar, a men's conference, women's conference, kids conference, youth camp, church camp. Just invite people. Their lives could be changed there. Uh, think of various conversations, conversation starters, ways that you can start a conversation to lead people to explore Jesus. One of the simplest things is, is to share your own experience. You know, if somebody's going through a problem that you can relate to and say, hey, you know, I went through the same problem. But during that time is when I started reading my Bible. And during that time is when I started praying and asking Jesus to help me. Just share your experience and don't make up a story. Share your honest experience. This is what I did when I went through a similar situation like you. Just share your experience. That 
is an invitation that you are presenting to that person to explore Jesus Christ. Or offer to pray for them or with them. Just pray. No, most people would not refuse a free prayer. You know, not like the prophetic prayers that pray with thirty dollars. Not that kind of free prayer. Nobody refuses a free prayer. Just like, yeah, we'll pray for you. Please pray for me. Or share an encouraging verse of scripture. Even if that person is not a Christian, doesn't come from a Christian, you know, it's okay. Just share an encouraging verse. And and then it says you're quoting from the Bible. That's oh. Bible is quite encouraging. Makes them want to read the scripture. I'll give them a Christian book. I'll give them a Christian music CD. This book, one of our books, our publication, Don't Lose Hope. It just blessed so many people. It's a very simple book. But people who are, who are going through really difficult times have been encouraged through that book. Uh, during, our power to change, during the Power to Change campaign, we, we heard testimonies. People who were saved from suicide because they got that book. One amazing story is, you know, this person called the 800 number and uh, we couriered the packet to that house. That man had planned to go home and commit suicide. So he got in home and then he saw this blue packet that had been delivered to his house. And he opened the packet and the first book he saw was Don't Lose Hope. He sat down and read it and he said, I'm not going to kill myself. Then he called the number. He said, this is what happened. Called us and told us. So such, just, you know, what if we had not couriered that packet to him that day? And not reached him that moment. What would have happened? So that simple, just giving that simple book to somebody who's going through a challenging time in their life could alter their entire destiny. And uh, so use resources like that. So inviting people to church is just one of the many ways that you can extend an invitation for people to encounter Jesus. I'm not saying it's the only way but it's one of the many ways. You invite them to church. It's very simple. You know, I go to church on Sunday. Would you want to come with me? Simple. Just invites them. You know, most church surveys would agree that the strongest motivating factor for people to come to a worship service or another church event would be the personal invitation from a friend or a family member. About 70% of people who come to church come because a friend or a family member invited them to come to church. The other means of you know, publicity like flyers and phone calls and emailers, they have a significantly lesser impact than you personally inviting somebody to come to church and explore Jesus. Now, so let's talk about some of these problems. Why, why don't we in, invite people to explore Jesus? Whether it's, uh, you know, through inviting them to church or in other ways. What holds us back? Sometimes we're too self-conscious. So we don't invite people. You know, say like, hey, uh, my life's already, is not in a great shape. You know. I'm not that perfect a person. Uh, you know, I have my own flaws, my own limitations. I've messed up. And how can I talk to somebody about Jesus? Now listen, you are not inviting people to explore you. You're inviting them to explore Jesus. <laughs> so forget about you. We're all imperfect. That's the whole point. Right? So stop worrying about how good or how bad your life is and what you are. We are all the same kind of people. We are all works in progress. And if we, you know, only when you get to heaven, you're going to, you know, be perfect. But until then, you're works in progress. So don't worry about yourself. Don't worry about your own challenges. Don't worry about, you know, things that you're still working through. Just invite them to explore Jesus, the one who's working on you. So forget about yourself. 
point them to Jesus. Sometimes you're afraid to face rejection. You know, they may say no. Well, that always happens. Right? Uh, don't be afraid to say no. They, it's okay. They have a freedom. To, they have the freedom to say no. You're only extending invitation. They say no, it's fine. It's okay. Maybe, you know, somebody else. At some other point, God will, be, God will touch them. Sometimes we're afraid, you know, how others may perceive us. That pe- people may perceive us differently. They may, we may even lose their friendship if we invite them to church. You know, we think like, oh wow, from now onwards he's going to see me as a holy Joe, this Sunday church person. No. Well, the challenge for many of us is this. We should not compartmentalize our lives. Who you are on Sunday is the same person that you should be Monday through Saturday. Don't say like, Sunday I'm going to be this nice Christian. Monday through Saturday I'll be like this worldly person. <laughs> so they don't figure out that I'm really a believer. <laughs> no, don't compartmentalize your life. Who you are on Sunday is who you are on Monday when you go to the workplace. It's okay if people know. And people should know that you are a believer, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And that you do worship Him on Sundays. It's okay. So... Don't worry about you know, how their perception of you will change. Let God handle that. God is on your side. He's going to work for you. Sometimes we're afraid that we don't have all the answers. You know, that we won't be able to answer the question. That's okay. None of us have all the answers. You know, Philip didn't have the answer for Nathaniel when he said, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He didn't have the answer. But all he said was, come and see. Maybe you'll get convinced. Just come and see. So you may not have all the answers, but you say, look, you know, I don't have the answers, but just come and see. Just come and explore. And let the Lord minister to that person. Sometimes we are worried about the church service. You know, what if pastor just preaches that long, long 45 minute, 50 minute sermon, man. My friend, he can hardly sit through 10 minutes, you know. And we are worried about the church service, the format, you know. Maybe it's not relevant. Maybe they feel out of place. Maybe they won't fit in. And so we don't invite people. You know, don't worry about those things. Because really, it's not about these things that are going to really impact the person. We are looking at a conviction that comes into their heart by the Holy Spirit. You know, take the risk. Yes. We can't, you know, arrange and set everything up just perfect, just right for each and every person that we invite for church. We can't do that. So what do we do? Take a risk. and Say, Lord, I'm going to invite this person. You take care of the rest. You know, whom they meet, what messages preached, what songs are sung, what prayer is prayed. God, you take care of all of that. You deal with their hearts. I'm taking the risk to invite them to church. I'm leaving this into your hands. Right? So, don't worry about these things. You know, we've, we've seen people whose lives have been touched right here in a Sunday service. When we're talking about revivals, visitations, moves of God. You know, two Sundays ago, uh, on February 21st, about four or five people gave the lives of Christ. What was the sermon? Revivals, visitations, moves of God. We weren't talking about, you know, uh, a simple gospel message on how to receive Christ. No, we're talking about But at the end of the service, we gave an invitation. Four or five people received Christ. Right? So don't worry about it. So, you know, you never know what part of the message. You never know how the Holy Spirit is working in their hearts as you're talking about whatever the sermon might be. And sometimes I've heard people come back and tell me, you said that in the service. And I'm saying, I know I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> they, they think, I don't know how it happens, but they think they've heard something that I, I know I didn't say. But that's the thing that really hit them. And that's the thing that really changed them. But I know I didn't say that in the sermon. 
So you never know how the Holy Spirit is dealing with people in the service. You never know. Just take the risk, invite them. Now, here's an important thing. We want you to invite unsaved friends or those who are not going to a church. And don't invite people who are already going to a church. There's no point, right? So big Sunday, no. Invite all your friends from other churches to come. Oh no. That's not the point of big Sunday. We're not inviting people from other churches. The point of big Sunday is to invite people who don't normally go to church. We're not saved. That's the point. Get them to come so that they can enjoy the service. They can sit down and play football with us or basketball or just, and just see that we're just normal people and, and, and spend that time, get to know us. Right? So don't invite people who already go to church. Invite those who don't go to church. We're not saved. And how do you do this invitation? Keep it simple. Keep it truthful or be sincere. And be inviting without coercing, without compelling. Be simple. You know, just say, hey, I'm going to church on Sunday. Would you like to come? Or would you like to listen to this service series uh, that's going on in church? Or would you like to come to this youth meeting? You know, there's a lot of young people who just hang out. Uh, we have a good time. You want to come. Or do you want to come to church camp? Or you want to come to youth camp? Just, just keep it simple. Be honest. You know, don't make claims like, man, you come to church, all your problems will be solved. Now, you and I know we've been in church for a long time. <laughs> and we still have problems, right? <laughs> so don't make false promises. Right? Don't make those kinds of claims. Like, you come to church, all your problems will be No, we are all people, we all go through problems, but we still are journeying with God. So be honest. You know, just say, come, explore Jesus. You know, he is your answer. He's going to, you know, deal with your situations and so on. Uh, and invite, but don't force. Don't say, if you don't come to church this Sunday, see what will happen on Monday, you know. <laughs> don't threaten, don't, you know, instill fear and all that. Just invite them. Uh, last few thoughts here. Now make the invitation, explore Jesus, and then you pray. So invite and pray. So invite them. Let them explore Jesus and you pray. What should we pray for? A simple thought here in John 16 verse 8. Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit brings the conviction. Now you don't try to play the role of the Holy Spirit. So you don't try to convict them. You invite them. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. That's why on many Sundays after service, when we do the altar call, what are we depending on? We are depending on the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. That He would convict the hearts of people. So it's not like we have to tell people, you know, you repent and you go to hell otherwise. No, we don't have to do that. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. Let the Holy Spirit convict them of sin, righteousness and judgment. He does that work. We just do the invitation. So you invite and pray. Holy Spirit, you convict their hearts. Closing thoughts here. You know, after you've invited people to church, what are some of the things you and I can do? Help them process what they've seen, heard, and experienced. It'll be good if you can prime them. Let them know ahead of time. Hey, we're going to sing some songs. Don't get scared. Some people lift their hands. You know, it doesn't mean they're, you know, something's going to fall from heaven. No. <laughs> they're just lifting their hands to worship God. <laughs> because if they've never been to church and they see people singing with their hands lifted up, they're like, why are these, you know, what? <laughs> So you better tell them in advance, this is what we do. You'll find some people, we'll spend some time singing. We're just singing to the Lord. And then you say, you know, um, you know we take up offering. And they say, man, they're going to be after my money. I say, no, 
<laughs> relax. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to put anything in the offering. Just let the box go in front of you, right? So you just tell them. Or uh, after the service, you can let them know. This offering, just people, we, we contribute, we give to the work of God. And so on. And then we listen to the word of God. So you tell them, explain to them what this thing is all about if you invite them to church. Second, very important is to connect them with community. Connect them with church people. Right? People come to church because they have a personal invitation. But most people would stay in church because of friendship. Most people, I'm not saying everybody. Most of us, some of us look for you know, the word, the teaching, the worship and so on. But most people would stay because of friendship. So it's so important for us to connect them with people. So invite them to a life group. Invite, you know, share them, share your friends with them. Introduce them to your friends, um, or uh, connect them to the church community. Let them know that they are accepted. You know, invite them to the soccer game. Invite them to basketball. Or, or, or adults, invite them to your home. You meet them for the first time. Say, you know, come home, have lunch together. Or we meet in a cafe or whatever. You know, connect, make friends. And for those of us who've been in church for eternity past, you know, for us, <laughs> you know, this is something we need to learn. Right? Be friends. You never know. Your one smile may be the only reason the person comes back next Sunday. They come looking for your smile. <laughs> wow. You know. But that could make all the difference. For that person. That because you smile at them, they say, wow, these are friendly people. They are happy people. I want to come back to this community. So it's so important for us, for us to be welcoming, shake hands, say hello, talk to strangers. So here's one environment you can talk to. <laughs> Please talk to strangers. Talk to strangers first. <laughs> now go meet people you've never met before and connect. Because people come back. Because of friendships. Uh, continue to invite them if they agree, if they are open to coming back, invite them. Uh, if they've made a decision for Jesus, help them to grow in their faith. You know, teach them how to read the New Testament and, and, and teach them how to pray. Uh, help them to grow, you know, uh, build up on their faith. We'll talk more about how to disciple people next week. But literally, what I want to impress on our hearts this morning is just that one invitation can change someone's life forever. Just one invitation. You can be like John the Baptist. Say, hey, behold the Lamb. People under your influence will listen to you. Go check it. Check him out. Or you can reach out to your family. Like what Andrew did to Simon. Simon, we found the Messiah. Let me introduce you to him. Or like Philip. He goes to his friend and says, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. Says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything happen, good happen in St. Joseph's school? I mean, on Sunday morning, you know, can anything good happen? Come and see. Come and see. That one invitation, whether it's to a church service, a church event, or even to explore Jesus through reading a book, or listening to music, or to come to your home, or watch a movie, however that invitation might be, how you extend it, it's up to you. But that one invitation can change someone's life. Forever. So our first strategy is very simple. Invite and pray. Very simple. Invite and pray. Give them the opportunity to encounter and explore Jesus for themselves. And pray that the Lord will reveal himself to them powerfully. Just pray for that to happen. Let God do it. Let's just take a moment to pray right now. You can remain seated. 
We'll take a few moments to pray before we close this morning. Would you just pray about what you heard and say, God, just help me become alert to opportunities, to people that I can invite to explore Jesus Christ. Maybe friends in my school or in my college. It may be people in my workplace that I interact with day in and day out. It could be friends that I have in the community I belong to or maybe friends online or in your hometown or wherever. People that you could just in some way point them to Jesus. Encourage them to explore Jesus. We just pray and ask the Lord, Lord help me do this. The simple way of winning souls. Before we close this morning, if there's anyone with us here and you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, you've not been born again, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross where he took all our sins upon himself. He was buried and then the third day he rose up again. He's alive. And the Bible says anybody who believes in him receives forgiveness for their sins. Jesus gives us new life. He makes us the children of God. If there's anyone here this morning and you wish in your heart, you desire in your heart to do this, to ask Jesus to forgive you your sins, to come into your life, to make you a brand new person. If you desire to do that, I want to lead you in a small prayer. You can pray this with me. And experience new life. Experience forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Would you just pray this with me? Lord Jesus. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sins. And make me a child of God. Make me a new person. And help me follow you. The rest of my life. And I ask this in Jesus name. Amen. Right. Let's just just, uh, get ready to close, please, and just bow our heads here. Father, we just thank you for what you are doing in our lives. I pray you'll ignite a fire, God. Ignite a fire in our hearts. Ignite a fire in our lives. Father God. And we just thank you for what you're doing. Continue, God, to release a powerful work in each of us and through each of us. Circumstances begin to change. I sense the word adversity, and some of you sitting here this morning or be down at the dining hall, you're right now facing adversity, meaning adverse circumstances, a situation that is so difficult, so adverse, so opposed to what uh, to you. Very difficult situation, and you're faced with that right now. I just want to release God's word to you. And I'm reminded of what the word in Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Where God says, Who art thou of O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain. And I want to speak to that adversity that you are, you are facing. That's right in front of you. And I want to declare to that adversity. Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you, O great adversity? Before this child of God, you will be brought down. You will be made a plain. 
And I release that word. I release the power of God into your circumstance, into your situation. To move that mountain out of your way. To move that adversity, that thing that's opposing you. To take it out of the way. God says it will become a plane. It will come down. And God's Holy Spirit will do it. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. I want you to have this confidence as you face that challenge, as you face that mountain, as you face that adversity. You declare to it, who art thou a great mountain? You will become a plain. You shout grace, grace to the mountain. The grace of God empowers you to overcome. The grace of God empowers you to push past that adversity. The grace of God empowers you to come forth as a victor, as a winner in your life. I just release that word for you. Just thank you, God. Father, we just thank you. We honor you. We bless you this morning. We pray for more of your spirit to work in our hearts. For more of your Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling. And to present us blameless before his glorious presence. Unto him be all glory honor and praise throughout all ages. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Have a great Sunday and uh, a great week ahead. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.